We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayus. At Nick Dayus 10 is where you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is you can find all things VM. A third episode of the week. And of course, I have to get my guy. My guy, A-double-L-E-N in the building. Alan, what's good, brother? How you doing? Um, the Alan brand is, is a, <laughs> it's got hit. It's got hit this week. Poor Josh Allen. We're losing. We might lose a cyborg because that's what Josh Allen is. He is a cyborg again. Wow. If he is out for a significant time, that would be very deflating. Dude, I want to just pull the curtain back a little bit before we get into that news of Josh Allen and the elbow. And obviously, I'm gonna rant about my concerns that I had about him that I've been expressing the last couple of weeks. But you're watching some soccer game, and the center back for Croatia got banged up. Oh man, my boy Josko Gvardiol. Who was literally his place for Leipzig? He's like twenty. I think he's twenty years old. Going to be twenty-one soon. He was on the verge of going to Chelsea, and he's like the hottest name out there. And he's supposed to be the leader the next 12, 14 years. And you know, World Cup starts in what two weeks, and all these clubs, all these leagues, they're forcing games on these players. And then he runs into his teammate and breaks his nose. So I don't know. Hopefully, he could pull a Mick Foley, wear a mask the whole tournament. I think Son has to do that because he had a similar injury yep. for Tottenham last week, but. It's this. It just it's it's disappointing. Like it just so many players are going to be banged up. Like the quality is tournament. I have no idea what to expect. But I don't want to sit here and complain because it's the World Cup and we're going to sit here and enjoy. Well, dude, I think these complaints are justified though because they just announced Sadio Mane is going to be out for Senegal <sighs> and like he's the be all end all for them. And that was an exciting African team going into this World Cup. People had yeah. some high hopes for, and he's going to be out too. And for a guy like that, like I, th- I think he's north of thirty, might be thirty, thirty-one years old, and is Senegal. Mm-hmm. Senegal isn't exactly a powerhouse that's in the World Cup every year. It was a big thing for him, man. And they were like a little. Yeah. They had some sneaky quarterfinal potential to him, and not you know taking him out your lineup. That's going to be devastating. I know uh, mm-hmm. Team USA. They just announced uh, Richards, 
the center back for them. He's going to miss the World Cup also. And it's just, it just sucks. Like, the timing of this has been so devastating for some of these players with all the, like, the BS that went into Qatar getting it. You had Seth Blatter come out and say, oh, yeah, it was a bad decision. It's like, dude, sometimes, sometimes we don't need months and months of fallout for us to understand that a bad decision was a bad decision when it went down. Like, everyone knew when Qatar got this, it was going to be a mess. So, I know, but... It just we're suckers, man. It's the World Cup. We're gonna be excited. That's just how it is. But oh man, this every tournament has a two, three to week layover. Like let let the clubs, let the national teams prepare, let the players rest up. No, we gotta get right in there. And shame on the clubs too, like or the leagues, I should say. Like the leagues, they could balance their schedule out at least a week or two. Like it's just it's a mess. And I guess at this point, it's just like survival of the fittest and survival of who has the most debt. And hey. We'll get into it next week, but Brazil, oh my God, look at that roster. That, that's a team that's ready for the survival of the fittest. They are so stacked. France is so stacked looking at the roster. It's like, oh, their worst offensive player is probably Griezmann, and he's such an iconic player for them too. Like, holy shit, the talent. I can't wait, man. Look, I know yeah. with the BS aside, and I know for some people it's hard for us to embrace the World Cup because of the circumstances with Qatar and Qatar having it and how they view the world in, in over there. Still the World Cup, man. It's going to be a banger. And, yeah. and you know we're going to be up for Absolutely. it. We, we got some fun stuff cooking up over here at Veterans Minimum. But let's, uh, let's not bury the lead. Allen, like you said, Josh Allen. Rough week for people named Allen. Got some elbow issues, dude. And I don't want to take a victory lap because... This isn't a victory lap. This is more so validating the concerns that I had with Buffalo and Josh Allen. It is day-to-day to, day to day if he's going to play. What I found interesting from the betting perspective was this line opened up at minus 7.5. Now it's minus 3. Chances are we're not going to see Josh Allen. I think that's the biggest indicator that we're not going to see Josh Allen. I think he's going to miss this week. This is the same... Injury that he had in his right elbow during his rookie season. He missed four games. Important to note, he hasn't missed any time since then at all in the NFL. And my concern with the Bills, Allen, has been how reliant they are on Josh Allen. And with him going down, if it is a serious injury past this week, it's a devastating blow for the Bills, Bills Mafia. And if you're in the AFC, you're probably saying to yourself, we just got a gift. Yeah. Yeah, because you just you don't replace elite talent like that. Like, I do think Case Keenum is one of the best backups out there. Like, I do think they're in the position to at least stay afloat against bad to decent teams. But when you're competing against the best of best in the AFC, as we know, has about four to five contenders ready to knock each other off. It's just there's no way you could compete with those heavyweights. So, and like we see, like the Bills, even recently against the Jets, uh, I think Al was their lean rusher as well. So, it's, oh man, like they, they could, and another thing, Josh Allen, and if you watch the Jets game, like he also, as best as he can, master offensive line issues. Like the Bills do not have a great offensive line. They got beat up against the Jets and going against the Vikings, going against these future defenses, like they're going to get their line. Josh Allen is such a cyborg that, whether it's stepping up in the pocket or getting the ball out with his quick release, like he's able to mask some of those issues. But it gets to the point, but it's Case Keenum or whoever, like they can't 
they can uh, hide those issues. Like they can't. So I think just losing Josh Allen is it really wrecks their whole season. Like they just they don't have enough pieces where it's just like they could kind of ride it out. It's like no, I could see them either being one and done or I think they'll still make the playoffs. But it's just you can't compute the likes of forget the city, Baltimore, Cincinnati, even Miami. I mean, dude, it's impossible to really explain just how valuable he is to them. I mean, we all know that, but like his role is crazy on offense. He's accounted for 23 of the 25 offensive touchdowns for Buffalo this year, either with his legs or with his arm. He's accounted for 82% of the offense's total yardage and 92% of its touchdowns, both the highest in the league by a very wide margin. So the idea that they're overly relying on Josh Allen, Allen, is not an yeah. understatement. Oh. And when you have a superstar quarterback, it's, it's like that. Like the Chiefs would be in the same circumstances of Mahomes. Like if I don't think any quarterback, if you watch that Sunday night game, wins that game except Mahomes and Allen. Yeah. Like even as good as Herbert is and whoever else you want to insert in that top tier quarterback range, like what Mahomes did against Tennessee. What do you throw like sixty six passes and he just kept fighting and like he kept made a couple plays with his legs like you don't do that kind of stuff so like Allen and Mahomes like those teams lose them I don't care what the play calling is like it's you're not going to make up for just that extraordinary play like those two are the top of the heat. Do you think Buffalo is a team that can withstand him being hurt? for a significant amount of time. Like, Case Keenum isn't a bad backup. We've seen him as a starter. Ironically enough, it's crazy how things play out sometimes, Alan, that he might step in and play a team in which he took all the way to the NFC title game in yeah. Minnesota this weekend. This is the anti-revenge game. This is the welcoming uh, game. Case Keenum will forever be here in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also, like, in a way, for Case Keenum's sake, they kind of did him dirty, too, man. Like, to get rid of him after making it to the NFC title game, I think it's a little harsh, no? I mean, there are limitations there. Like, come sure. on. Like, you look at that offense. Like, they rode their wave a little bit. So, and, like, the opportunity to get Kirk Cousins and you know, me, I'm not, I'll never, like, overly praise Kirk Cousins, but Kirk Cousins at least provide more stability. But Case Keenan is a journeyman, and he'll be the first one to tell you. So, I don't think they did him dirty. It just, they did what they had to do. Because, if I'm not mistaken, I believe their start was Sam Bradford going to that year. That's how long ago it was. Dude, yeah, Sam Bradford. Sheesh. He was my yeah. MVP pick in 2015, first year of VM. But he was on the well, Eagles. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, but yo, I, got, hold, I don't know what to tell you. Hold on. Staying with Case Keenum, and that'll segue into this game also this week. One of the games we're going to talk about is Minnesota and Buffalo. But, dude, if you're upgrading for something better, I get it. But when you're upgrading for something that's kind of the same, maybe slightly better, I would feel slighted think, if I'm Case Keenum. Yeah. I guess, but then again, like Case came in his position, like he, I don't think he ever thought he was going to get like another real opportunity. And didn't he convert that to a nice payday with Denver, I believe? So like he started after that. Yeah, that's true. He did get the bag, but still just, I don't know. I would feel, because you had already seen what Minnesota could do with him at the helm. And you saw, and yeah, the limitations, I get that. But I don't know, man. I feel like they kind of did him a little dirty. And now now it's paying yeah, off better it, because, like, Kirk Cousins yeah. has been, he's been solid, right? We, we talk about Kirk it's Cousins been, yeah. as being the issue for Minnesota. It's fair. I just think that Vikings team was, that was peak Zimmer defense. So you look at that 17, you, you had 
Barr in his prime, Harrison Smith in his prime, Xavier Rhodes in his prime, Linval Joseph. But that 2017 Vikings team, they were really good. Like they were up on the Saints 17 nothing before the whole collapse happened, which led to the Minneapolis miracle. But that Vikings team, they swept the Packers, although that was the year Rodgers got injured. But I think Case came out a really good supporting cast. And hey, they had the good old Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator as well. Listen, as a as an offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer is the truth. Head coach? Yeah. Nope. Yeah, that's where that's where things get funky for sure. This week, though, Alan, we have the Buffalo Bills at home, six and two, versus the Minnesota Vikings coming into town. Obviously, we don't know if Josh Allen is gonna play. I personally don't think he's gonna play based on what I've seen with the line movement and how quickly the line has come down. This is also something where People can have access to insider information. So seeing the lines move like that, people, a lot of professional bettors, they liked Minnesota initially at plus seven and a half. Now, now it might be too late. Now they might come back on Buffalo because there's a wave where you might be able to middle that. You know, like if the game ends 24-20 Buffalo, you can hit your plus seven and a half and maybe you hit your minus three and a half, which it is now. So to me, this matchup, would have been really dope to see Buffalo at full strength going up against Minnesota because I think it would be a litmus test for Minnesota to see, all right, man, you look at your resume and who you've beaten, and obviously you play who's on your schedule. I get all that. But also, this would be, holy shit, you're playing the best team in the league. The good thing with Minnesota is they have a tough schedule coming up. After this, they got Dallas, they got the Jets, they got the Patriots. Like they, they're playing some good teams coming up. So I think they're going to be tested regardless of this matchup. Because, I mean, like we've seen, like you watch Viking highlights, and it's just like, God, look what they're playing. Like even last week, like Taylor Heineke pretty much gave him that game. He threw the ball right to Harrison Smith. They easily could have lost to Washington. But from a positive side of things, I do like how they already got Hawkinson incorporated into offense. You see the rapport already. They're using him in a slot a lot. They're using a bunch of formations with Thielen. So the fact that Hawkinson, they're already plug and play, got him in there, nine targets. I think that's one of the most encouraging things because it's clear they need that third study option. I like Osborne, but I don't know, Osborne is kind of... Yeah, and it's also a different kind of player too. Like the tight end is more inside and over the middle of the field where the slot guys could work inside but towards the outside of the field too. So it's it's also just a mismatch, too. Like, Hawkinson's a bigger guy as opposed to Osborne. Right. I did feel like they needed another threat. Like, I thought they could have been a sneaky, sneaky pickup for an Odell. Like, Odell going over there. He has a good relationship with, with Justin Jefferson also. Famously, he dapped him up with the money at the national championship yeah, game. And then he got investigated. Right. Remember that? It was him and Jamar yeah. Chase that were over there that, oh, that wow. Odell did that with. So they do have... Those LSU guys are always super tight. That's their click, the wide receivers all together. Even though they're, you know, like Odell just celebrated his 30th birthday. I think Jefferson's like 22, 23. It's still like Justin Jefferson coming up. Odell was like the peak, you know, like he was the alpha receiver and whatnot at LSU. Minnesota, they've beaten the Packers week one at home, which I loved Minnesota in that spot. They get embarrassed yeah, by I remember that. They get embarrassed by Philadelphia on Monday Night Football. They just looked awful offensively. It was a typical Kirk Cousins primetime. And then their wins are Detroit, New Orleans, overseas in London. That came down to a field goal. They beat Chicago. They beat Miami without Tua. 
They beat the Cardinals at home in a game in which they were trying their best to give that one away, it felt like. And then the Bears Commanders. Yeah, the Bears game also, yeah. yeah. And even Detroit. They came back against Detroit in, in week three. So, like, I think yeah. the skepticism of Minnesota ties a couple of things. Obviously, number one, it's Kirk Cousins. Do we trust Kirk Cousins in a big spot? Number two, it's a lot of their wins. They could easily be like three and five right now. Instead, they're seven and one. The ball is just, it, it, it seems like at the end of the year, we'll be saying it's one of those seasons for Minnesota where everything just went right. Their record in one score games, all the calls went their way. The ball just bounced their way. And it happens, dude. We see it happen. Shit, it's been happening with the Giants up until now, right? Like Minnesota, it could be one of those seasons where come next year, I'll be saying to myself, I don't know if I'm on Minnesota. But as far as this Did year you goes. You watch those games. Like Kyler Murray throws it right to Harrison Smith. Taylor Hines, Harrison Smith seems to be on the receiving a lot of this, by the way. Uh, there was a play with Mar uh, Amir Marset fumbles the ball after I think it was uh, what cornerback. Um, like on the quarterback's name, but like it's just these fl fluky fumbles where I don't think they're really forced. I just think it's the opposing team giving it to them. That, that's that's why I think you have to question the Vikings' validity. But 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 at the same time, look seven to one, they have the firepower offensively. And when you have that firepower offensively, you always have to give it the respect, and you have to take them at least somewhat seriously. If you have to pick the skill position players in this game, which which team do you think has better skill position players? You also got some, this is, whoa, I just realized. One of the greatest trades, yeah. one of the greatest yeah. trades in NFL history is between these two teams. Uh, right? Like, Stephon Diggs for the first round pick that turned into Justin Jefferson. Both of these teams would do that shit again in a heartbeat. What it did for Josh Allen and for Buffalo. And then immediately Justin Jefferson has had the two most productive seasons a wide receiver has ever had in his career in his first two seasons, right? Like, how many times has a trade went down, Alan, where both sides are like, you know what? I would probably do that shit again. Everybody win. Yeah. Yo. I mean, it, that just crossed and, my and mind. We, you also got to give credit to the Eagles because they're the team that traded uh, for Jalen Rager. Uh, not traded. They selected Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. All-time clip. So they, 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 they play the part of this. All-time clip of the Vikings war room just laughing their ass off in that pick I made. And Jalen Rager's a Viking now, so it all, it all pans Full out. circle, yeah. But, dude, who would you pick if you had to pick these two skill position groups? Dude, it is so tight. I think just from – because I always want a little more explosiveness, I'm going to go with the Bills, even though I do think Gabe Davis is underperforming a little bit. I thought he's a little too inconsistent for my luck and someone that has such expectations going this year. But, you know, between Isaiah McKenzie, Jameson Crowder gets healthy – uh, I'm blank on man, I'm blank on a lot of names. Uh, the other receiver, uh, Ahmed, maybe his last name is, but he, or Shahid. I, I'm, I'm blank on the guy, but like he made a couple plays. I just think the Buffalo skill set, uh, skill position players provide more explosiveness. Like of course with Dawson Knox as well. I just think with the Vikings, it's Jefferson and Osborne. That's about it. Like Thielen at this point is a possession receiver who's good in the red zone, and we know what Hawkinson is. I prefer to support a cast that. You know, we know they could produce 40, 50-yard plays. And you can use them on uh, end of rounds and reverses like you saw against the Packers where McKenzie's His name is Khalil Shakir is the wide receiver Khalil you were, Shakir, you were blanking on. Oh, the wife said Ahmed. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking of our buddy Ahmed. Shouts to Ahmed back home, man, Shmetty. Uh Yeah, I kind of disagree, man. I feel like I would take Minnesota, and I, I feel like it's easy. 
It's an easy call too. Oh, wow. Mostly, okay. mostly I would say because I think they have the advantage at running back. And also I think oh, that they okay. have the advantage at yeah. tight end now with Hawkinson coming in. Okay, I did not count for the running back. I was just thinking receiving, but okay. Yeah, when you put, when you put Cook in there, look, I'm, Dalvin Cook to me is a top three running back. Yeah, well, that. that's why, yeah, I mentioned, I should have specified a little bit more, but I mentioned the skill position players just mm-hmm. as a whole, like the offensive unit. If you were to take away the offensive lines and the quarterback, which one you would go with? Battle of two brothers also, right? You got Dalvin Cook and James Cook. They're not going to be on the field at the same time, but I think that's a, a lot of subplots in this game as, as we're talking about this. I also like the fact that it's a one o'clock game. Like you don't really see massive. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One o'clock games. Yeah. Damn, yeah, that, that's true. Because usually they would put it on at the four o'clock slot, one o'clock over here. In in the West Coast, this is this is, a, this is a, just a Fox game coming right at you because you know Fox is building up that historic rivalry between the Cowboys and Packers and watch this game even though the Packers are <laughs> I don't think it is a team I'd rather not watch than the Packers right now. I asked you if you wanted to talk about one of those games. You're like, dude, stop telling me to talk about the Packers. <laughs> That's the only mention the Packers are getting. It's done. It's ended. Hey, I'll mention this though: Packers plus five and a half. That's the play this week. I'm, cl- I'm clipping that one too. We're gonna, right, well, I'm gonna re-air this one when it when it goes down. All right. Uh, back to this right, game though. Mike, Michael Parsons is in the end zone dancing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, back to this game though. What do you? How do you feel about it? Who do you got winning? Oh, man, it really comes down to Josh Allen. Like, I, I hate to go down that route because if he plays to me, I think the Bills decisively beat the Vikings because I just think the Vikings defense is just too many holes and. Uh, you can only bank on so many plays from Darius Smith and Daniil Hunter. Mm. And I, I think I think the Vikings offense line is still a major concern. Like that interior, like the, the right guard at Ed Ingram, center Garrett Barrett, like they get blown up consistently. The Washington was getting after him, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and you just see that. And you know Kirk can't escape pressure. And the Bills, I feel like I've won the more underrated fronts in the league. Like we talk about Von Miller, but there he goes seven deep. Like they get after him. So um if I just have to make a pick right now, I'm still going to go Buffalo. Like, obviously, this rolls around Josh Allen. I do think Josh Allen will end up playing maybe in, like, a slightly reduced role. But I still – I just bank on that defense making enough plays. And, you know, I just – I just don't think the Vikings have the firepower to compete with the best. I just think they're a tier below, regardless. Damn, I hate that Josh Allen might be compromised or not even be out there. But, dude, I came into this game, bro, thinking Minnesota was going to win anyway. Am I crazy? 
I just think you're, you're banking on that NFC Championship pick, and you yeah, let's go. Baby. You want to build that up. <laughs> but yo, I think I think Minnesota is strong where you can exploit the deficiencies of the Bills defense. True, you could run on them. Green Bay had success, and I think the Vikings are starting to get more confidence with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook so far not gotten injured. You know, please stay healthy, Dalvin. The, the sport's better when you're healthy. Like, he's managed to stay healthy. And I love the way they're utilizing the passing game. You saw the game-winning touchdown on the wheel route. So, it's great to see him involved. So, no, they, I would definitely agree with you. I'm going to go with Minnesota. I think Minnesota pulls the upset. To Munich we go. Allianz. You're, you're fired up for this one. How can, man, how can anyone not want to watch the Seahawks right now? Seahawks are must-see TV. Yo, it is unbelievable what's happening in Seattle. First place in their division. Probably the best team, I would say, in their division so far this year. We've been waiting on, we've been waiting on San Francisco to be something. And they're, they're still good. I would still, I'd still pick San Francisco to ultimately be a playoff team and to potentially even win this division still. But... They've been the biggest surprise through nine weeks. And now they're in a marquee game. A game in which coming into the year, you're saying, ah, man, you're really going to wake up at 6.30 in the morning in the West Coast to watch Geno Smith and the Seahawks going up against Tom Brady in Munich? Like, nah, I'm not going to watch that. But now you're like, yo, this might be the best game on the slate this weekend, Alan. That's how it matched And You just got to love how the Seahawks... We talked about these quick rebuilding jobs. They pretty much did it through the draft. Like they, I'm not going to put on the 2017 Saints level yet, but just the way, like they got two starting tackles with Lucas and Cross. Tariq Wood, man, like besides Sauce Gardner, I think he's the best defensive rookie in the league. Just this long corner, always playing tight man-to-man coverage. They got a couple of guys, Mike, uh, Michael Jackson, Kobe Bryant, <clears> which <throat> I know people are going to laugh at those names, but they're making contributions everywhere. Like it's just, They've rebuilt quickly, and just when you hit on these draft picks, and it's weird because Seattle's been so terrible these last few years drafting, and now they just hit half their head. We even talk about Kenneth Walker, who is arguably the favorite for rookie of the year. So just the way they rebuilt, and I just think, man, Gino just, he's so patient in the pocket, and how they just carve up teams. They use a lot of play action, getting the three Titans involved. It just, Harry just seems efficient, and you have to give huge credit to the coaching staff and Shane Waldron coming from Sean McVay's system. We talk about the Sean McVay coaching tree. He's been a huge success right now. It's getting Geno comfortable and having the receiving corps of rhythm because right now, like Lockett, Metcalf, they're firing all the cylinders. You're right about the draft class. Also, a reason why we haven't talked much about Seattle draft classes in recent memory is the running joke that we've had that they, they just give away their first round picks all those years with Pete Carroll also. So they wouldn't have yeah. any marquee names coming in. And that's the thing that changes your franchise around. Obviously, you want to hit on your first and second round picks. Those are the foundation and the building blocks of your organization. But then when you find the diamonds in the rough in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round that become starters on your team and you're paying them less than you pay your punter also in most cases, that's when you really start making noise like how Seattle is. And all the guys that you mentioned are making plays. Even Kobe Bryant last week, he had a turnover in that game also. And the thing with Gino is he's been in the league for so long that I think he's playing in the sense of, yeah, this is my last chance to be a starter. So I can't mess this up. But also 
like you mentioned, bro, he got Tyler Lockett. He got Metcalf. He has a running game. What more do you want? You have two. I think they're a top five pairing in the league duos in uh, wide receiver. Oh, yeah. We've been talking about it for years. But, like, I just love what the news lies at 10. So, you saw no offense. Like, he's now getting involved. And it's just tight end. We, we could talk about the, the Russell Wilson trip. Like, Shelby Harris had a huge third down sack. So, it's just, you know, they've, they've taken so many wins off that trade after taking so many L's from the Jamal Adams trade. So, it's kind of fitting. I think it's kind of coalesced for them. And I just think it's a hell of a story. And they just play good fundamental football. You don't see dumb penalties. You don't see bad turnovers. It's just they're working with what they got. And, they, yeah, they got the, the stars on the outside. But, man, they could get physical. And they could rough you up on the, in the ground game. Like Kenneth Walker, he's got to be up there for yards after contact. The way he just breaks through tackles and bullies his way at the end. So they're a real tough-minded team. And I think all indications, like, this is a really good match for them because it's hard to be overly optimistic of what the Bucks are doing right now because I don't care about their ugly win. It was an ugly performance. I mean, they played horribly until the last drive. So does that cover Which up? Just basically fed for them. Right. Does that cover up the rest of the game being a nightmare? Like a lot of times we've seen that happen in Super Bowls or we've seen that happen in just like sporting events in general where the game might be unwatchable and then the last like quarter or the last couple of minutes is iconic. Like, you know, let's go into the UFC, right? Usman and Leon Edwards. That fight was lopsided. It was boring. And then with one minute left, he gets the head kick knockout, and that's all everyone's going to remember. It saved the card because the card was kind of a dud also. But then you're like, holy shit, I'm always going to remember the Salt Lake card. Leon Edwards, the head kick hurt around the world. He sent them into the shadow realm. Like, everyone's saying that. But at the time, up until that moment, it was kind of a, a, a mid card. And you see that happen in football games too. Like, just because it was a great ending doesn't mean that the game was good. And Tampa Bay just had a great ending to their game against the Rams. And the Rams played horrible also. I mean, we could talk about them another time. But Tampa Bay, they come off that win. Is this something that's going to jumpstart their season, Allen? Because they got Seattle this week. Then they go at Cleveland in two weeks, Thanksgiving weekend. Then they play home Saints at Niners, home Bengals. Not exactly an easy road, bro, because I'm pretty sure that's when Watson is going to be the quarterback also. I don't think anything's going to jumpstart a season. I think they'll just limp into the playoffs just because the NFC South is so bad. I think the one that's biggest issue is like, this coaching staff is, I don't trust them at all. I, I just, the insistence on just running the ball on first and second down, learn from that, not the same player. It's just a lot of the players you think are the same players are not those players anymore. Like I don't even think Mike Evans is as dominant as he once was. Tristan Wirth's not playing as great as he was. They lost Shaq Barrett for the year, which is a huge loss. So it's just Carlton Davis is another player. He doesn't look the same. So it's just the things that you expected from Tampa Bay this season, it just hasn't happened. And at this point, we're in November. I don't know what could change besides maybe a couple of young players emerging. Like you see Kate Odd in the tight end, but but Bray's always going to force feed the tight end. So I'm not really buying into his emergence. So between the coaching staff and players that we expected to be stars, not being stars or performing at the highest level, I just think Tampa Bay, they're going to like win nine games and I guess host the playoff game, but it's going to be very unimpressive. Well, the thing with Tampa Bay was always that their front seven was so dominant and they could generate pressures without blitzes. So it covered some of the issues in the secondary for them also, especially with the guys were when they were really young in the league. 
Mm-hmm. And now with no Shaq Barrett, it's like, oh, am I am I blitzing more if I'm Tampa now? Am I am I shifting things around? That's going to be a concern. And you know who else you you forgot to mention isn't the same anymore? It's our boy. Boy, oh, no, 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 look, no, nah, look, man. he hasn't been the same for a couple of years, unfortunately. <laughs> I just wanted to be on the field at this point. But, hey, uh, hey, he scored a touchdown on Thursday Night Football, bro. He cast that plus 280 anytime, baby. Julio! Look, man, listen, man, the Hall of Famers do not stand for uh, garbage time touchdowns. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not acknowledging that, but uh, you go to the pick, though. Yeah, I'm going, I, you can't recognize listeners. We're going with Seattle, right? <sighs> This is tough, dude. I didn't think it would be tough. Seattle is definitely the better team. Definitely the better team. I'm a little worried that this game is overseas because a lot of weird shit happens when they play international. And I don't know. I think Tampa Bay, if you're looking ahead, dude, and I stand corrected, Watson won't be back for this game. He'll be back the following week after that. That's when it's December 4th game is when they play the Texans. So I did want to correct myself there. This This is a game where... It should be on a neutral, though apparently there's a huge, like, they call it the 13th man. It's a huge Seattle Seahawks community in Germany. Alan, I don't know if you knew that in Munich. Okay, I did not know this. Yeah, yeah. I was doing some research on this game because one of the things I was thinking about is, like, the travel. Like, I buy into that. You know, they got to come all the way from Seattle to go to Germany where Tampa's a little bit closer. So, with the layover and whatnot, and, and, and I'm pretty sure that they've left already for, for Germany. They've been there for a couple of days. And I was just doing some research and I found that out that there's a big fan base of Seattle Seahawks fans out there. So you do have that wrinkle. Maybe it is a home game, but I I think I'm going to go with Tampa though. I think Tampa is, and I'm not confident at all. Like I'm probably not going to bet this game. Might not even wake up for it depending on how Saturday night goes watching the UFC. But I think, I think Tampa Bay wins this game. I think they start to ride the ship. And if you look at the schedule, it's something that they're going to definitely need to take care of. All right, last game on the menu is the L.A. Chargers on Sunday Night Football. They're playing the San Francisco 49ers. Alan, this game opened up at minus three San Francisco on the look ahead. And then San Francisco had a bye week this week. And then we saw the Chargers narrowly beat your team last Sunday in Atlanta. And now the line on this game is plus seven for the Chargers. And the way I'm dissecting this, Alan, is that now there is a massive overcorrection on these lines because everyone is pro San Francisco with the guys getting healthier, them getting Christian McCaffrey, and then a lot of people are just super soured, as am I also, on the LA Chargers with how their season has played out and the injuries and all the issues that we just have with the Chargers. But they're still 5-3. and three. So how do you dissect this? I think it's a mismatch. The Falcons pretty much gave them that game. They were getting gashed on the ground. To be, if you look at the supporter cast, they just don't have no juice to them. Like, they, like you watch, it's like, okay, they'll have a flash play with Eckler or Derwin James, but like even their drives are just thinking, dunk. Their defense, they can't stop the run. Like the Linebackers just get exploited. Like Kyle Shannon loves targeting slow linebackers. Like Kenneth Murray, Trey Tran- uh, Tranquil, oh, he's going to have a field day with them, whether it's Ayuk running crossers, Debo will be back, Kittle, like he's gonna have a field day just using play action. So to me, I think it's a total mismatch this game. I, I think the biggest appeal is just it's time to see the San Fran offense in full swing. Like we gotta see this this foursome of stars just 
break things down. So I think that's kind of the appeal of this game. Like, yeah, Chargers is good. And look, everyone wants to watch Herbert and they have you know, Cleo Max still making plays. But to me, this game is all about seeing how the Niners look at full strength offensively. And I think they're getting healthier defensively. So uh, I want to see what the 49ers could do just start building because like right now i'm pretty sure they want to get a divisional you know they want to get a home game at least one home game in the playoffs but now it's time for them to like really build on a winning streak because they've been far too inconsistent for sure man and i think everyone when they got christian mccaffrey started fantasizing about what this offense could look like me especially too like immediately when i saw that move i'm like damn if they could stay healthy bro which is always the biggest concern for any team but especially a team like that that they've had the kittle injuries they've had well, Debo was pretty much healthy up until, you know, he missed some time this year. And then McCaffrey. Trent we know, Williams. Yeah, Trent Williams also. And then all the players on defense that they miss gearing year out. But you're saying to yourself, if, yo, if they're at full strength, man, the versatility of McCaffrey and you got Debo, like who are you handing the ball off to? Who's getting passes out the backfield to? There's so many versatile pieces. And Kyle Shanahan's probably just saying to himself, yo, Jimmy, just... Just don't bury us. Don't don't yeah. do those costly mistakes that come at the worst times on the third and six that can ice the game against Denver that you can't convert when a guy is wide open and then we end up losing the game by one or two points, whatever it was. It was it was basically a field goal that that primetime game. So it's like, yo, Jimmy, once again, you are in a position where your team is stacked. Don't be the reason that we don't accomplish the things that we think and know we can accomplish. Could have said it better. Do I mention Kyle Shan does have a history of getting after Brent Staley as well. Like as good as those Rams defenses were, we know the 49ers history against the Rams. So yeah, I expect Shannon to tear up Staley a little bit. Just as most offense coordinators had. I just look man, I, we want to look we want to like the Chargers. We we think they're very top. They're kind of like the Rams a little bit more stabilized, I guess. But, like, when you look at the Rams and Chargers, they're very top-heavy, but that's just not there. They're weak in the trenches. But I think the biggest difference is, look, you can't ever count on Herbert. And I think Eckler is that type of player where he could kind of just get you that third and six running a little circle route. And those things matter, like converting third downs, as we know. So I think if Herbert and Eckler could bring their best, maybe this game stays competitive. But ultimately, the 49ers are too good, and they should win this game convincingly. I love the comparison of the Rams and the Chargers. I think both of those teams are in a similar situation right now, but moving forward, the Chargers are better equipped because they also have the draft picks, right? Like the F them picks things was yeah. cool because it worked out, but you've tweeted it a bunch of times too. Like, yeah, it was cool as a catchphrase and it was a coffee mug for Sean McVay and it worked out because you won the Super Bowl. But now... You are seeing what those repercussions are when you don't have those draft picks and you aren't building on these foundation blocks that you do have. And the thing with Justin Herbert and the Chargers is, you're right, they have a guy like Eckler that could take over games. We've seen him take over games. And I think Herbert's going to get beat up this week. The mismatch in the trenches is very, very concerning. I think San Francisco wins this game comfortably. I am hoping that maybe I could catch a plus seven and a half from a betting perspective because Justin Herbert, we saw him cover that game against the Chiefs, Allen, on Thursday Night Football because I was on, you know, that plus four. He did it for us with the broken ribs, maybe altered his season, but he did it for the degenerates on Thursday Night Football. But on a serious note, I think that 
they will dominate them inside the same way they did against the Rams a couple of weeks ago. I think that game is going to look very, very similar to this one because the Chargers are reliant on one player offensively. And with Mike Williams being out the picture now for a couple of weeks and who knows with Keenan Allen, he's at that age now where, yeah, you're healthy off the hamstring, but then bang, you tweak it again. Which is funny because he's my age too. So that just made me really upset as I was saying that. But I do think San Francisco, (laughs) yeah, I do think San Francisco wins this game rather comfortably. And maybe you could get a backdoor cover. But ultimately, I what I mean by that is I think the Chargers are going to be trailing and it'll be a comfortable two-possession game for the Niners throughout. Well said. Hey, man. This was uh, fun. This is the third episode of the week for VM. If you guys haven't checked out, I had UFC head coach of Extreme Couture, the MMA gym here in Vegas, Francis Ngannou's head coach, Eric Nixick, was just on the show on Wednesday. We talk a little bit about the main event. Uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this pod between Adesanya and Alex Pereira. And this is a three-episode week for VM. And moving forward for the next couple of weeks with the World Cup coming up, we have a World Cup preview show coming up in in a couple of days as well. And some fun stuff with the World Cup. Going to definitely capitalize on that. So you'll be hearing a lot of episodes, probably a Monday, Wednesday, Friday layout moving forward. But yeah, Alan, this was fun, man. Hope you enjoy the games. And uh, I'm looking forward to us catching some beers while catching these games together soon, bro. For sure. And uh, Thursday night, watch the Falcons Panthers. <laughs> Where can they find you on social media? <laughs> Alan Sturk, A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. At Nick Day is 10, as you can find me, veteransminimum.com, as you can find all things VM. And I'll catch you guys next week. I'm in the cup paying property bills. Got it. Got it.